Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor at First Presbyterian in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Man, Gage, that's exciting to hear you say that. You and your wife are moving to Dyersburg pretty soon. Is that right? We are. As soon as we find a place, we'll be on the road. Man, and and uh, I know you'll be coming before our presbytery for to be examined for ordination and uh standing for ordination the ordination exam in october and so it's all happening really fast and we're super excited i don't i don't get to be the the top dog you you me being the pastor and you being the seminary student uh, and intern so uh my man how the things have shifted yeah, well, we're, we're uh, definitely excited for sure. Uh, you know, and, and I've got to actually turn in a couple of papers and take my written exam by the end of August. And then I'll actually meet with the credentials committee and uh, go through some things there. And we'll do that first week in September. And then uh, Presbytery meets the first Tuesday in October, hopefully in person, depending on uh, how COVID and, and things are going. So we're definitely excited for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some additional housekeeping. Uh, we have uh, Assurance of Pardon has become, has been, we've been invited to become members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters, uh, which is uh, at reformedpodcasts.com. So this is a handful of other podcasts that are also about Reformed theology uh, that we, we share some commonalities with. And so we would invite folks to, to go to reformedpodcasts.com and check out a podcasts like the Bobcast, uh, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, Sipping on Theology, and Steady Anchor. Lots of great content that they're churning out every single week, and we are excited to have been invited to be a part of that network. For sure, for sure. Tony and, and the other guys uh, have definitely even proven to be um, – good new friends to have. We were all in this, this big Facebook messenger group now. Um, and it's, it's been fun to interact with them. What we, uh, love what they're doing. Well, Gage here in this season, we're season two, this is episode seven. We've been for the last three episodes, we've been handling unhelpful or half truth, trite Christianese phrases. We've dealt with, uh, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That was our first one in the series we did christianity is a relationship not a religion uh and then last week we did i don't need the church i've just i have the bible and that's all i need um and hopefully what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to to not just throw everybody who's ever uttered those phrases under the bus because we'd find ourselves under that bus if we're honest but we, what is the person who says that phrase? What are they trying to communicate? And are, they're always trying to be helpful. They're always trying to bring clarity to the Christian faith. They're always trying to explain the gospel or the Christian faith in a way that is inviting. 
but it's the truth is it's not always helpful and it's not always accurate. So today we're going to deal with the phrase. Uh, what's the, what is the phrase we're dealing with today, Gage? God will not give you more than you can bear. Uh, you know, yes. handle. this one, uh, this one feels a little personal to me. Um, it, you know, I joked early on with preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words needs to die a slow, painful death. I think this one needs to be quick, quick and painful. Um, really for a lot of reasons, you know, but, um, one little reason among others, and this could really be true for every phrase that we talk about, uh, Christianity is not a meme, right? Like, um, <laughs> there are a lot of or things. A, or a bumper sticker. Right, exactly. And, and, and so, you know, I'm trying to think the best way and the most gracious way to say this, but people say things and they, they mean it to be helpful. And, and in a lot of ways, social media um, does a lot of good. It also does a, a lot of toxic things. And one of the things that isn't helpful is um, quick tr- trite phrases that get shared all over the place or emailed in chain emails. If you still get chain emails and you know um, they mean well, and this is one of those phrases that every time it's ever been shared it means well, um, but it's extremely unhelpful, you know, and, and it's personal for me for a number of reasons. One, um, you know, both of my parents have passed away. Uh, and so on, on two different occasions, actually, I also had a stepdad. So three different occasions uh, when I've experienced the loss of a parent, um, mm. people have come to me and they say, well, you know, Gage, God, will not give you more than you can handle or God doesn't give us more than we can bear. And they mean that in the most sincere, comforting way possible. And it feels like, you know, Gage, I'm just going to hit you in the face with this bat and it's going to sting for a little bit. But I mean, I I love you, but I'm swinging this bat to hit your face. And that's kind of how it feels because in the moment, no one wants to hear that. At all. Right. It's not, it's not helpful. It doesn't feel loving. It doesn't feel sincere. It feels like you think that's the thing you're supposed to say. Cause you don't know really what you're, what you should say, yeah, but you we feel like you comfort. have to say something, right. Which isn't always helpful. Sometimes you not saying anything and just listening and being present is helpful, but you say that and it's just like, but is that true? Is that an actual sentence that we can say, you know, if I look in the scriptures and I look at the the narratives of Abraham or Jacob or Paul or David or Moses, or Job, right? Uh, did did God give them less than they could bear, or did He overwhelm them oftentimes to put them in a place of utter dependence? And so, uh, you know, we we had I've had that experience. We've also um, as and this is public knowledge, uh, you know, we adopted a teenager at one point who ended up setting our house on fire and going to jail. We had to dissolve the adoption. And I had friends that I, I know they did this out of sincerity would say, well, you know, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can bear. And in that particular moment, amidst incredible trauma and incredible stress and, and even the effects of PTSD, you're like, are you kidding me right now? You know, so this, this phrase um, is personal 
uh, for me. I don't know if any, anybody else relates in the, this category, but I can I can tell you as a pastor, having sat in living rooms with families that have had miscarriages or people whose parents are, are have suffered a diagnosis of, of cancer or um, whatever trauma they lost all, they lost their house. They, they lost everything they owned a tornado tore through their house or whatever, whatever it is, their, their wife left them and is in an affair. I've sat in the living rooms of friends and congregants and sat alongside them. And I've seen the, uh, the effects on their face of, of people that they love and trust and, and have in their lives that profess to, to know Jesus say this phrase. And it's just not helpful at all. It, it's actually uh, harmful in that moment for the person that that's suffering. And, and Scott, we can kind of get into this. I want to hear your feedback. I, I think among other reasons that people share this and we can get into the specifics of why, but I want to kind of, you know, unpack this particular Avenue. I think it comes down to the fact that we as the church universal, maybe even just in America, um, we don't know how to suffer and we don't know how to comfort those who are suffering. So we end up saying phrases, phrases that we may have been told or given along the way uh, that we think are helpful that really are not. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the the person who is uh, the reason anybody says God will not give you more than you can handle um, is is not necessarily because they've read the Bible and they've walked away with that understanding, but they're just repeating a phrase they've heard. They've heard someone else say it, and and so they they serve that up. They, they, we don't know how to comfort people in, in, in their difficulty and in their affliction. Well, and so we, we say the only thing we can think of. So uh, people, uh, we need to cut some folks some slack because it's hard. It's hard to know what to say. I've been at the, I've been at the hospital. I've been in the, the emergency room with a, with a woman a couple of weeks ago who, 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 we, we believe her husband was, a, was about to die. The doctors were coming out and saying, hey, you need to go ahead and start, you know, making some, you know, end of life planning. You need to, uh, here's what's happened and you just need to start getting, getting affairs in order. Mm. Um, what do you say as a minister when, it, when that's happening, right? So it, it's difficult. We, uh, let's, be, let's be various. Nobody is saying this to be mean. Everybody who says it is trying right. to be helpful. I want to make, I want to make that right. really clear. And so first, first of all, I can already hear some of the, some of the pushback that folks are having in their mind. They would say, what about first Corinthians chapter 10 In first Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, um, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man, got common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Someone may say, see, there it is. That's the verse that's saying what I'm trying to say. The hmm. problem with that is, you know, is, is that it's, it's taking that, by, that, that verse completely out of context. And we're going right. to, I'm hoping it has nothing to do with, with suffering nothing or experience all. has everything to do with sin. Right. I'm, and I'm hoping we can do a, uh, a series or a, an episode or a handful of episodes on, on how to interpret the Bible. But just a, a real quick thing, the, you know, the three biggest rules in real estate are location, 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 <laughs> and the three biggest rules in, 
interpreting the Bible are context, context, context. Amen. And if you think about it, the word context is location. Yes. What's going on here? Where is this verse placed? And, and is that verse given to, is Paul giving that verse to comfort people who've lost a loved one who, or who've had an adopted son try to set your house on fire or who've had their, their, uh, their, their whole family be killed in a car accident. Is that what Paul is talking about there? By no means. What he's talking to is he's talking to the, the Corinthian church that's, that is struggling with idolatry and sin and, and a temptation to, to worship other gods. And there's all sorts of things going on there, but that's a verse about God providing us a means of escape when we are tempted to sin. That's not what, that's not what the, that's not saying God will not give you more than you can handle. Uh, it's talking about God is your ever-present help in time of trouble, and he will give you a means of escape so that you, uh, you don't have to sin. That's what's going on there. Yeah, wholeheartedly I think, agree. I think the other thing that's, uh, that's happening in this verse, uh, in, rather in this, uh, in this trite phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle is it's a, it's a very mild version of the prosperity gospel. Now, when I say the prosperity gospel, what most people automatically think of is they think of faith healers like Benny Hinn, who, who waves his white jacket. You know, he dresses like Ricardo Montalban from fantasy Island. He waves his. I think you might've dated yourself on that brother. (laughs) I I did. Yeah. Gage almost spit his drink out when I said that. Um, (laughs) He talks like Ricardo Montalban from Family. the plane, the plane. Go ahead. Yeah, that's 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 tattoo. His his assistant. Don't don't get it mixed up. Um, I love okay. it. Uh, Benny Hinn waves his white jacket at the crowd, and they all fall slain in the spirit. Benny Hinn is a legit false teacher, a legit prosperity preacher. Um, Kenneth Copeland, uh, almost everybody on on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and what what the old school, uh, full octane prosperity gospel is: come to Jesus, uh, live right, give right, and you will be rich, and you will never get sick. Prosperity, health, and wellness. Mm. Um, I think it was riches, uh, Benny Hinn's son who just recently came out with a book. Is that that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, that's, a, actually, that's a very so so the but 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 back to the point. The prosperity gospel at full octane, a, a, as most people understand it, the prosperity gospel is come to Jesus and you'll get you'll have millions, you'll have a nice car, you'll have money in the bank, your everything in your life is going to go swimmingly, and you'll have no problems. That's the very easy to debunk prosperity gospel. That's the one that most people listening to this would would get nowhere within a hundred miles of, but there's a milder form of the prosperity gospel, which is come to Jesus and your problems won't be that bad. You won't suffer terribly. You'll be happy. You'll have self-esteem. This is uh, you, you take a, a guy like a guy like Joel Osteen uh, is very, who, who, who also is very problematic in his teachings uh, who, who gives a milder, easier to swallow a a prosperity gospel because his prosperity gospel is you'll just live your best life. You'll be happy. So he's not necessarily promising billions. He's not necessarily promising no sickness, but happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is 
try taking uh, a copy of Joel Osteen's Your Best Life Now and reading it to the persecuted church in the Middle East as they're being beheaded. Right. When, when he's saying the, the, the favor of God means you may get the better parking place at the mall on Black Friday. So um, there's, there, there's a little bit of prosperity gospel in this verse in that, in that this is promising that it's never going to get terribly bad. It's going to get bad, but you know, it's not more, not, it's not going to get unhandleable. Right. Uh, and right. yeah, so, so I think that there's, there's that going on. And the reason we push back against the prosperity gospel in its full octane form of riches and wealth, and in its very mild, easy to believe version of just happiness and life is going to be pretty chill is because it's absolutely incongruent with the experience of the church for most of the 2000 years of church history. Well, that, and and the problem with it is the Bible, right? Like, right. That's that's exactly right. You can't, you can't put the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle in front of Abraham, who was told by the Lord to sacrifice his son. Right. That feels like more than you can handle or Job who lost all his kids and his health and his wife is wanting to tell him and, and all of his friends are saying, Hey, you should probably curse God and die. That's, that's about where you're at right now. Or, um, David who spent the majority of his life as King of Israel running for his life and in caves and, you know, fighting against having to lose his best friend and fighting against Saul and all the others and being lied against and having his son, um, create a coup and, and go after him or, or Paul who wrote two thirds of the new Testament and, um, he received 39 lashes, uh, save one minus one, right? Just shy of 40 lashes from the Romans because 40, they knew 40 would kill you. So he, they, he got right up to the brink of death three different times at the hands of the Romans. You imagine like Paul getting hit with the cat of nine tails. Have you ever seen passion of the Christ, the thing that, mm-hmm. that Jesus gets beaten with in, in the movie. And um, he's hit with that three on three different occasions, 39 times. And could you imagine someone saying, Paul, the good news is, though, God will not give you more than you can bear right now, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that, like when you put it in that context and, and, in, and in that situation, it sounds ridiculous, right? Sounds or, or Peter, who was crucified upside down, and John, who was boiled alive, and Isaiah, who was sawn in half. Like, imagine Isaiah being sawn in half and someone going, brother, the good news is God will not give you more than, than you can bear. I mean, just like in in the the reality of the scriptures, God continuously gives his people more than they can bear because it puts us in a place of utter dependence on him. That at the end of the day, the more we can look at our situation around us, whatever our circumstances are, and say, I can't handle this. I need a savior. I need help. I need someone that, that is able to change my situation to do something about this. Right. Paul talks about this in second uh, Corinthians with the, the thorn in the flesh, right? That we don't know what the thorn in the flesh is. There's a bunch of debate over what exactly that could be, but it, it ends with Paul uh, hearing from Christ 
that my power is made perfect in your weakness, right? It's not, well, I'm just, I'm going to give you a lot, Paul, but I won't give you more than, than you can bear. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, uh, I think, yeah, to, to piggyback on what you said, yeah, we see, we see Jesus say, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you'll have trouble. And so the, the promise of the Christian life is not sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. The promise is that we very well may experience difficulty, persecution, hardship, but that, but that God has overcome the world. I, I think about Colossians chapter three, where, where Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, so we we should see that our hope, our life, everything is not on how things are going right now, but in Christ who is our life and he will one day appear. And my hope is not that I'm not going to get crushed by this life. My hope is that Jesus was fully and completely crushed with a crushing that I deserve on the cross so that the real problem, the wrath of God, is something I need not worry about. And that my hope is, is, is in, is in a a God who was crushed on my behalf. And so anything else that might crush me, anything else that might be more than I can handle, uh, I need not, I need not despair, uh, when, when I face that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important for us to unpack, um, what it looks like, uh, even to, um, keep our eyes focused on the things of heaven and, and really understand um, where our citizenship lies. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's huge, right? Cause it's, it's easy. And I watch it happen day in and day out on social media um, with um, people that profess to know Jesus, where either they are tearing each other apart because of politics or because of mask or because of whatever else, um, and they're beating each other down or they're just despairing because all that 2020 is right now in this moment. Right. Um, I think all of that kind of boils down to, and even the God won't give you more than you can bear um, kind of encompasses this. We tend to forget where our citizenship is and we tend to forget where our identity is. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a situation where, we're, we're navel gazing, right? We're so in this moment now focused, um, or we're caught up in our, all the things that vie for our identity in the culture. Um, and they're telling us, these are the things you should find your hope and security in that we completely forget, um, who we are and whose we are in our identity in Christ. And then I think in, in that moment, because we get so um, center focused on whatever it is we're dealing with right now, when life is particularly difficult and at whatever level it is, whether it's something extreme like the loss of a family member or loss of a spouse um, or some super traumatic event in your life, um, or it's something that um, in light of those extreme realities, isn't, 
all that difficult. Like you, you have, have to wear a mask right now and that's kind of inconvenient or um, you have to work from home and that's kind of stressful um, or you got to decide where, where your kids are going to go to school, which can definitely be painful and, and can, can create anxiety. It, it leads to an, an nth degree to where you completely forget that you are citizens in a kingdom that you don't have to earn, that you don't have to advance, that you don't have to try to create your citizens in a kingdom that the father has given to you, right? It's the father's good pleasure that he give you the kingdom that it will right? never pass away. Yeah. And, and in that your King is Jesus and he's completely sovereign and he's completely on the throne and he is not surprised. Um, and he may allow things to happen or even uh, put things or people or situations in your life um, for the sake of growing you independence, for pruning, for discipline, for, for discipleship, for growth in the spirit. Um, but he, at the end of the day, is your source of comfort, hope, identity, and security. And, and the whole um, plethora of, of situations that you could be dealing with, all of those are given to you to remind you who he is, not how strong you are, right? The Lord isn't calling you to CrossFit theology. He doesn't want to know how much you can press. He wants, wants you to understand who he is. He's calling you to, to die, right? To, I mean, a great example of this there's an entire chapter in Upside Down Spirituality. We recently gave that, that book uh, by Chad Bird um, where he talks about um, how Jesus is killing you and that's the best thing for you. And, and that really, it really is because the more that yeah. we realize that we have died in Christ and we no longer live, but Christ you know, lives within us and we've been raised in Christ and that's where our identity lies. We can look at all of these circumstances and we don't have to be met with an assurance of like, hey, this is, you're going to be able to handle this because the Lord's not going to give you more than you can bear and then be crushed when he does, when it feels like you're absolutely being destroyed. Um, and this is way more than you can handle, way more you, you, than you can bear. When we realize who we are and what our identity is in Christ, then we can be met with the realities and go, I mean, the Lord may give you more than I can bear, but he's not going to crush and defeat me and leave me in despair. Yeah. I think about, I think about Romans chapter eight, where Paul says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is con to condemn Christ. Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised and who is seated at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen to this list that Paul is telling the church at Rome. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Like that's a lot of things that can destroy us, right? Um, 
for uh, uh, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In other words, we are conquerors in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, in danger, in sword, in our being slaughtered. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor uh, powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a, a beautiful and encouraging reminder. Uh, this is also the passage that where he says that nothing, all things all things happen for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we are reminded that although we will have all of those things, we may have danger and sword and famine and nakedness and uh, uh, any any anything in all creation, right? There's all sorts mm-hmm. of bad things that can happen to us, but that our hope is not in that things won't get terribly bad. Our hope is in that, is in that we belong to Christ and that, Oh, Oh Gage, I, I worry so often that folks will uh, with that mild prosperity gospel view, they will think I'm experiencing these things because I'm not living right. Right. I, I'm experiencing these things because I just don't really, I'm not, keeping it between the ditches as a Christian. And there are, there's heretical teachers out there who will say that, that you, we, we experience this difficulty because, uh, because we don't have enough faith. And that is just absolutely the opposite of what the Bible has to say. Agreed. Um, You know, you, you, you quoted Paul and that reminded me of another (laughs) Pauline uh, passage, second Corinthians chapter four, uh, starting in verse seven, it says, but we have this treasure the gospel in, in jars of clay talking about them themselves um, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed persecute or perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not forsaken struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in, in the body, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be manifested in our bodies. For we, who live are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So these, this is Paul talking about his ministry team, talking about his missionary team that, you know, Timothy's and Titus's and, and, and all those guys and, and ladies that were a part of his, his mission missionary journeys throughout the first century they were literally planting churches, preaching the gospel, advancing um, the truth of Jesus, right? They, and they were being met with being shipwrecked and famine and beaten and an imprisonment and all of these things. And he says, I mean, at the end of the day, we're carrying around this body of death so that life may happen in you, literally so that the gospel can be given, faith can be awakened by by hearing the gospel, and the spirit can make you alive. That's the whole reason we do this, right? They weren't doing it because they didn't, these things weren't happening to them because they didn't have enough faith, or they they weren't happening to them because they weren't um, pious enough. They were happening because um, the effects of uh, pushing back um, Satan, right, through the gospel. And so, that's just our encouragement to you is uh, with this phrase as with, with any um, really think about this and ask yourself, okay, what does the scripture say? Does this fly in the face of scripture? 
And if it does, let's not, let's not say it. Let's give our brothers and sisters scripture. <laughs> let's give them encouraging verses in context, but encouraging verses nonetheless, or let's just give them our presence. And sometimes you don't have to say anything at all. You know, that that's our time. We are um, coming up on um, time to wrap up the episode. Uh, so thank you guys so much for, for listening. And, and for those that um, have just learned about us through the Society of Reform podcast, we, we jumped up like a thousand downloads in 36 hours by, by being a yeah, part of this crazy. mega feed. Um, so that's awesome. If you're new to the podcast, we welcome you. Um, and if, if this podcast has, has blessed you and ministered to you in any way, would you please share it? Would you leave us a review so that it can kind of move up in the platforms and others can, can know about it? Um, and if you have any questions, thoughts, we always love to hear from our people. You can email us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. That's our website. Or um, you can uh, follow us on our social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.